All around the country, brave left-wingers are finally taking on America's greatest enemy, statues. Yes, leftists who call themselves anti-fa, a term which means fa, have taken to the streets and parks to defend our great nation from these sneaky bronze figures who have perfected the insidious art of standing absolutely still while pigeons crap all over them. Leftists have focused their attacks on statues that represent the Confederacy in order to bring this country together by revisiting issues that were settled in a sea of American blood over 150 years ago. After all, if these events are allowed to pass into memory, we might forgive some of the bad things people did to one another before we were born and move on into the future, instead of acting like a bunch of primitive tribesmen who keep feuding over the same ancient grievance forever. And no one wants that. As anti-fa leader Jack Asamai told The Daily Wire in an exclusive interview from his apartment in the Joseph Stalin home for the morally inexcusable, quote, these statues may look innocent standing there, all motionless and covered with pigeon crap, but after darkness falls, they suddenly spring to life and join forces with the voices in my head to try to reinstall the Confederacy in parks and museums across the land, unquote. We also spoke to anti-fa protester Mimi Screamer as she was busy pulling down a statue of Beauregard T. Cornpone, the famous Confederate private who fought the battle of, oh my God, them Yankees have burned down my ramshackle farm. Miss <laughs> Screamer and her friends dragged the statue off its pedestal. Then, to make sure the statue would never get up and bother anyone ever again, they kicked the statue repeatedly while making the statement, quote, this filthy statue will once and for all, ow, I think I broke my toe, ow, 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 unquote. After neutralizing the threat from all the statues that represent the southern states, the leftist protesters plan to go on destroying statues from other parts of America they dislike, including the West, where whites killed Indians, the North, where industrialists abused their workers, and the East, where the protesters' parents refused to let them continue to live in their garages rent-free. As anti-Fa leader Uncle Fa told our reporter, quote, We have begun by attacking Confederate statues because nobody likes slavery and we can get away with it. But our real plan is to undermine America's sense of history and patriotism because we hate everything the country stands for. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? Unquote. The brave battle of the leftists versus the statues will continue, despite one tragedy where a leftist pulled a statue of a charging Confederate soldier down on himself and was bayoneted to death. President Trump addressed the incident, saying there was blame on both sides. Democrats attacked the president, saying his failure to specifically denounce the statue proves his secret attachment to statues. And CNN's Jim Acosta added, look at me, I'm Jim Acosta, look at me, look at me, look at me right now. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, dipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. 
All right, the Clavenless weekend is upon us. I dread to think. Last time, the last time only the entire country exploded. So hopefully it won't be that bad this time. We have Jesse Lee Peterson, the Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, the founder of Bond, is with us. Jesse Lee is a guy I just I love the guy because he I pride myself on saying whatever is on my mind. I pride myself that I, everybody knows what I think. I never hide my, but he is, he is the single most courageous person uh, I've ever met. He will just say whatever he thinks, no matter how politically incorrect. And uh, I always love talking to him. I'm a little sorry. You know, I'm a little sorry because whenever I always, I, it always bothers me that whenever a commentator comes on the air who happens to be black, he always has to talk about racial issues as if every black guy represents all black people. You know, so it's like Jason Riley. He's always got to talk about, you know, Jason Riley. I know he's a, he's a really bright guy. He knows about a range of issues. White guys come on. They talk about Russia. They talk about North Korea. Black guys always have to talk about race but we invent we invited jesse on weeks ago in fact he was bumped because of a scheduling conflict so he just has to come on and talk about charlottesville it's just the luck of the draw it's like uh, what what god decreed that jesse has to come on and talk about uh, charlottesville but anyway he's very interesting we had a he and i had a big debate during the election uh, before during the uh, primaries about uh, donald trump so he's a big big trump supporter and we'll hear what he has to say meanwhile meanwhile remember yesterday i was talking was it yesterday we were doing an ad for tracker and i was talking about how i lose things all yeah. the time i wanted to wear my movement watch today so I could show it off because people keep complimenting this watch and I misplaced it and I haven't put my tracker on it yet so I couldn't find my movement watch but these things really are beautiful and you know I, I love watches I love watches I don't think I'm cheap but I don't like to spend a lot of money on things where I don't feel like to, I don't feel it's responsible to spend money on certain things you know so you don't go out and spend I love watches so much I could easily buy a watch worth six thousand dollars but movement watches are so attractive and they don't cost anything anything like that i mean these watches start at just 95 dollars, and at a department store that would be starting at 400 500 bucks movement by the way for some reason they took all the letters out of it so it's not spelled movement it's spelled m v m t m as in mary v as in victor m T M V M T is how you spell movement. And they figured out by selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman or retail markup provided the best possible price. Classic design with these kind of modern, very simple, uh, straightforward designs, but very startling. You can, you'll see them. They've sold over a million watches in over 160 countries and and you can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash Andrew. That is mvmt.com slash Andrew, but you have to put all the letters in Andrew or else it won't work. This watch has a really clean design and I'm, I'm telling you, when I can find, find it, people really like it. Now is the time to step up your watch game. Go to movement.com slash Andrew, mvmt.com slash Andrew and join the movement or join the movement. Okay, never mind. You know, it, so so as we're speaking, I, I should mention that the Clavenless weekend seems to already have begun in Barcelona. There's been a terrorist attack there, a guy driving a truck and seems to have killed uh, two people, which means I guess the press now has to revert back to holding withholding judgment on who did the crime and not condemning all the people around him and saying there's, you know, there's uh, fault on both sides and saying there's some very good people in the Islamist movement, you know, 
now now the press becomes Donald Trump and Donald Trump can go back to being Donald Donald Trump you know he can yeah. go back to without getting it you know it, it occurs to me that the Democrats have a really good gig going on they have a really good business model they have these policies that I mean, one of one of the reasons I became a conservative because I grew up a liberal Democrat, you know, and I didn't know any better, and I just had to learn, uh, you know, t the truth basically. And one of the reasons I became a conservative was because I hated the way Democrats treat black people, treat minorities. I think that they try to infantilize them. I think they sell them on dependence. They sell them on helplessness. I think that they their sexual policies have caused this incredible uh, plague of illegitimacy that is has been shown again and again to cause generational poverty all these things look at the democrat cities look at baltimore look at st louis you know baltimore they're in the middle of the night they're tearing down confederate statues while people are being shot left and right you know i mean it's, it's not the statues that are shooting the black people it's the democrat policies that cause these horrors chicago another one all these places where democrats are and then and then when the black community in that city in that democrat city is so dysfunctional that it has a lot of crime and the crimes and and so the ordinary joe he's not thinking about cause and effect he just sees oh all the criminals are, are black a lot of a lot of the criminals i see are black and he says something bigoted they say see all these right wingers are bigoted you need more democrat policies it's a great business model it's a great business model and they have gone on with this thing this this uh press conference that donald trump gave about charlottesville they are hammer it's it's the classic thing and I said this yesterday, and I will say it again, just so everybody's clear about it. I think Trump bobbled the ball. He bobbled the ball, especially when he said there were good people on both sides. This, this rally was organized by the Nazi right. It was organized by the Nazi right. And I've been very hard on them. And you guys keep writing to me and saying, but don't they this? And they're not really right wing. And do some of them say this? And it makes sense. Look, they're a bunch of hateful creeps. They're hateful creeps. And they are on our side. They vote for the people that we vote for. They call themselves right winger. So we don't have to give them any credence whatsoever. We don't have to accept a single word they say. And if ever your heart responds to the hateful garbage coming out of their mouths, just walk away. Walk away. They are wrong from beginning to end. Everything, you know, they talk about Western culture. They talk about the white man building Western culture. They don't know anything about Western culture. Western culture rests on two pillars, Jesus and Socrates, a Jew and a gay guy. All the people they hate are the pillars of what built our society. You know, it's just, it's just nonsense. They're just ignorant, hateful people. And when, and this was the mistake Trump made, just to get that out of the way. The mistake Trump made was saying there are good people on both sides. Nobody looks at a rally being held by Nazis and say and says, well, I don't agree with, you know, killing all the blacks and Jews, but I don't want that statue to be taken down. So maybe I'll go to the rally. That's not the way it works. You know, people see that and think, uh, I don't think so. And that but this is a classic thing with the press that has now with um, with Trump has gotten out of control is any word that a Republican says that can be misconstrued as racist they will misconstrue it as racist, tar every Republican with the supposed racism and just go out of their way, out of their way to make, you know, all Republicans and all GOP people look like like the right is always racist. And they do this again and again and again. And here is the thing. Donald Trump said something he shouldn't have said, but at no 
time did he defend white nationalism or racism. And the New York Times, a former newspaper, that's what they keep saying. I mean, you know, all the uh, business guys are abandoning him. You know, Trump shut down his business advisory councils because the business guys are running for their lives because this is this is how the press controls the right. This is how the press turned the Republican Party and the bunch of puling cowards they are by tarring them with racism. So they're so afraid to open their mouth. And Donald Trump blunders through this stuff. And look, I don't think Donald Trump is a racist at all. I really don't. But but, you know, he doesn't take care. He doesn't pay attention to this stuff. And so all the Republicans are running. All the business guys are running away. And, you know, and then they use this. The, the press uses this panic to say, well, everybody is saying you're a bad guy. Everybody's saying that, you know, yeah, because they're all running for their lives. And, and like they keep saying this thing that he defended white nationalism. It just is not true. And so he today he put it out a tweet saying they shouldn't tear down the statues, the Confederate statues, which, by the way, they're only that thing I said in the opening is true. They're only going after the Confederate statues because they can get away with it. That's it's not about the Confederacy. It really is not. You know, obviously, you know, we're all opposed to slavery. That's why they're going. But they want the he's right. They want the Washington statues. They want the Jefferson statues. These are not these people do not like this country as it was founded. They want to change the founding, uh, rewrite the founding of this country, rewrite what we're about. And, and that's why they're doing it. Um, so. Trump put out on Twitter that he didn't think they should uh, tear down the statues. This is the New York Times, a former newspaper. This is how they headlined it. Under fire for defending racist activist groups. One lie, right? Didn't defend racist activist groups. Never did it. He never did it. He was very clear that the people he was talking about were these peaceful people who wanted to defend the statue who I don't think were there. I don't believe they were there. And so I think he made a mistake there, but he was not defending racist policies. Under fire for defending racist activist groups, the New York Times lies, President Trump said on Twitter on Thursday that he was sad to see United States history torn apart by the removal of our beautiful statues and monuments, echoing a popular refrain of white supremacist groups that oppose the removal of Confederate monuments. So if you oppose the removal of Confederate monuments of our history and the things that people put up in their time and, you know, thought were uh, good in their time, if you oppose that, the complete rewriting of history like we were in some Soviet state, you are making common cause. In other words, if you're not a Soviet, a Soviet communist, you're a Nazi. That's basically where, where the New York Times said, because this is the New York Times. This is the New York Times that is selling this idea. Remember, we, we were joking about it yesterday, that sex was great in, this, in the Soviet Union, that they, uh, they had that article, sex was better for women in the Soviet Union. Uh, you know, sure, they killed tens of millions of people, but the orgasms were just fantastic, you know. So this is the thing that they're selling, and we're supposed to take that, that seriously. And it leaves, you know, it leaves the good people in a quandary. We don't want to be, we don't be uh, tainted with the idea of racism. I, I do not. I, I I think racism is a sin against God. I, I think it's a sin against the image of God. I don't want to be tainted by it. But, you know, I just don't think that that is what Trump was saying. And we have to go to Jim Acosta again, because let's not forget for a minute that Jim Acosta is CNN's White House correspondent. This is the guy that they think is giving fair and equal and balanced coverage to the White House. And this is him reacting to Trump's speech. Ha <laughs> ha! 
right. <laughs> that's, just, that's just what he always seems to be saying. This is what he actually said. No, I think we saw the president's true colors today, and, and I'm not sure they were red, white, and blue. Uh, the White House put out some talking points tonight. Uh, this is what they say. The president was entirely correct. Both sides of the violence in Charlottesville acted inappropriately and bear some responsibility. There's another one that says he has been a voice for unity and calm. Uh, this is Alice in, in Wonderland stuff. How the White House could put out talking points uh, saying that the president was in the right here is just, it's baffling, it's strange. And, but they are right in one respect. He has united the country against the views that he espoused today, which were right there on the edge of white nationalism. I mean, it's just not true. It is just not true. And Jim Acosta is the CNN's White House correspondent. So CNN feels emboldened by the corruption of the media, by the absolute widespread corruption of the media. They feel emboldened to put a White House correspondent who is telling you that if you voted for Donald, Donald Trump, you are not red, white and blue because your guy is right on the edge of white nationalism. Acosta did afterwards put out uh, this statement. If I get <laughs> it is what it cost always seems to be saying. So we've got so we've got Nazi scum, we've got communist scum, and we've got media scum. I mean the media are like the worst people because if they would report this story honestly, you know, we would be able to come to opinion to opinions, nuanced opinions, but you can't when they are the worst hate group in the country. Have we got Jesse? Yes. Let us bring on the Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, a man, as I say, I admire so much for his honesty and his fearlessness. He's an author, media personality, the president and founder of Bond, which is the brotherhood organization of a new destiny, uh, an American religious nonprofit dedicated to rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. There you are, Jesse. How you doing? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. You look great, man. Thank you. It's mostly makeup. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I heard you got thrown out of your gym. I did. I uh, last Friday, I, I go to Equinox and I've been going yeah. there for years. And so last Friday, I had to do a 10 a.m. interview with my friend Bill Cunningham out of uh, Ohio. So I get to the gym, I put on my workout clothes, get myself all run to a quiet room. And I've been doing this for years at the gym. And so I'm on the phone. I can't move because if I do, the call would drop. So this guy, the employee came and he, he said to me, you got to get out of here. And I'm telling him to hold on just for a minute. I'm doing the interview. He's like, no, you got to go now. And I'm like, hold on, man, just hold on. So he went and got the manager and the manager came in and he got right in my face saying, you got to get out of here and get out of here now. You have to leave the building. You can't come back. We're going to cancel your membership. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm doing an interview just a minute. And so I left that room and my and my call dropped. So I lost the interview and the guy was all in my face and just carried on. It didn't make sense to me. I had no idea why that was happening because employees have seen me in, their, in those rooms before doing interviews and no problem. And so I get off the phone. I'm like, all right. 
And so I told a guy, he was in my face. I said, get the F out of my face. I used the manly words. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and then he said, you can't talk to an employee like that. I said, yeah, you're right. I apologize. So I, I, you know, I put my hand out to shake his hand to apologize. He's like, no, I'm not. You know, he wouldn't accept it. And so he told the employee to go and call the cops. And when the guy walked away, the manager said to me, you're saying that there is no racism and for uh, toward blacks and Hispanics. You, you, you're a Trump, Trump supporter. And I'm like, wow, that's what this is about. Wow. It's about being a Trump supporter. And so he said, you got to leave. I'm canceling your membership. I said, look, I've been here forever. I never had any problems there. There are a lot of folks because they see me on TV or heard me on radio or in print. They li- they know where I'm coming from, but they like me because I'm a good guy, right? right? And But the guy threw me out anyway. He told me I had to leave. He wouldn't hear anything. Just you got to leave. And he hated me so much because I support President Trump that he overreacted. So now I'm looking at what I need to do about this situation. I'm looking at my options right now. Yeah, I mean, this is Equinox Gym. I mean, they are a big L.A. gym. I, I see them all over. That That is that is amazing to me. They do not want you working out if you support the president. That's it. That's right. And this is on uh, Sepulveda Boulevard. It's the largest one that they have on Sepulveda Boulevard between Olympic and Pico. Yeah, I know. It. Uh, I have been warned, though, I have to tell you, Andrew, by some of the workers and some of my friends who go to this gym. They were like, you cannot let them know you vote for Trump. You can't support Trump around here. This is a liberal gym. And if they know it, they're going to get you for it. But, you know, they talk about Hillary. They're always putting Trump down. And I refuse to cower down to fear like that. I have a right to vote and support whomever I want. Even if they don't agree with it, as I don't agree with them, I have a right to do it. I'm not going to cower down. Oh, no. I've, well, I've never seen you do I've never seen you do anything that even resembled cowering down. So I, I don't expect well, I want to hear what happens with this. Now, you and I, during the primaries, we had a great debate on uh, yeah. TV, on your station, that uh, where we talked about this. I had serious, serious reservations about Donald Trump. I still have some, but you were all in uh, on Trump. You loved that guy from the minute you saw him. Yes. How, how are you feeling now? When uh, that, you and I was on my were on my TV show, the Fallen State TV, uh, you know when President Trump announced that he was running, and he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna put a big beautiful wall around the borders, and Mexico is gonna pay for it. This big beautiful wall. I'm going to bring back." Uh, jobs. I'm going to deport illegal aliens. I'm going to cut back on restrictions and regulation. I'm going to protect this country from radical Islamic terrorism. I said that day, this is our next president. Wow. This is what yeah. we need. Yeah. And uh, when I woke up on March, I mean, uh, November 9th, 2016, I turned the TV on right away, four o'clock in the morning. And uh, they said, Donald Trump is our 45th president. I went to cloud nine <laughs> and I, I have been dancing on the ceiling ever since. Ever still, I, you still feel this way. I am more convinced now that I was the very first day that he announced that he was running. This man is what America needs. The way he handled that situation in Charlottesville, North uh, Virginia, in Charlottesville, Virginia over the weekend was perfect. He said it was wrong on both sides, that violence is wrong 
never mind who is doing it, it is still wrong. And he mentioned later that uh, even though you might not agree with the alt-right, they had a permit, they had the right to have their rally. And for the uh, uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter to come there heavily armed with the intent to attack these people was absolutely wrong. And so the and then yesterday he had the most powerful press conference that I've ever seen any president have. This would go down in history as one of the greatest press conferences ever because the man told the truth. Even being attacked by the media, he was able to tell the truth. And Andrew, that's what we need. We need honest government. We need government that put the country first. And President Trump is doing that. What do you think of the argument that there is something unique in America about the journey of black people out of slavery to equality that he is kind of missing, that he just it doesn't address that that deep well of feeling uh, that some that some blacks and whites have that 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 there's this terrible racism in this country. Uh, should he address that more? Are they wrong about that? He's addressing it. Uh, first of all, black people are not on a deep journey. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of thought you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Black people, not all, but most wouldn't recognize a deep journey if it slapped them in the face. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, um, black Americans are not suffering due to so-called racism. Mo the ones who are suffering, and most are, is due to the destruction of the family and the lack of moral character. Black people are angry. They're angry first at their mothers who tried to turn, who have turned them away from their fathers. And the mothers are impatient, imposing their will on them, being, you know, or too mothery. And it costs the kids to become angry. And when you become angry, whomever you become angry at, you become like them. And so the anger that you see in black men and women is the anger of their mothers. And they're yearning for their fathers. The worst thing, Andrew, that can happen to a child, it doesn't matter the race or color, male or female, is to turn them away from their fathers. Because when you turn them away from their fathers, it leaves a deep down void, like an emptiness, like something is always missing in your life. And what is missing is a return to the fathers. And so blacks are yearning for the fathers and they are angry at their mothers. And instead of telling them to forgive their parents because their parents couldn't help themselves, they're told that it's racism or that it's the white man, something else that is not. So blacks are being used in their fallen state of anger to for uh, political and personal gain hmm. by the uh, far left liberals, the black politicians and the black preachers. It's not about racism, Andrew. Racism have never existed and it does not exist today. It's either good or evil, right versus wrong. And when you read my recent book, The Antidote, Healing America from the Poison of 
hate, blame, and bishophood, I prove that racism does not exist. It's a made-up word in order to divide and conquer. Well, well, then what about what about the idea that guys like Steve Bannon and the Breitbart sites and all this they they give quarter to evil when they give when they allow these Nazis and these white supremacists to speak as if they were part of a, a decent movement. I mean, these guys are evil, aren't they? The Nazis and the white supremacists. They're so full of hate. They hate the Jews. They hate the blacks. They hate everybody. I mean, they're just uh, there, there is something terribly wrong with these people. Uh, and, and some people say that Trump or at least Bannon have have given them some kind of credibility. You don't think so? I don't know about that because I do know that anyone, anyone who has anger in his or her heart is evil and they cannot be trusted because anger is the nature of the great deceiver, uh, uh, Lucifer or Satan, whatever you want to call him, because love is of God and love is not something that is emotional. It's not something that you can taste and touch. Love is simply not hating. So anyone who has hatred in their hearts are evil and they can't be trusted. And so, you know, you hear everybody or most people pointing out what's going on, what's happening on the right side or with white people, but you don't hear what's happening with black people. For an example, and I play it, I'm on Newsmax TV. I don't know if you're aware of that, I, but I have a, yeah. a, yeah, I have a daily lively, a live, a live, live show on Newsmax TV Monday through Friday. And today I show Louis Farrakhan when Louis Farrakhan said, I want 10,000 black men to hunt down and kill those who are killing us. <laughs> I didn't hear anybody say anything about that. Barack Obama didn't repudiate him. The liberal media didn't repudiate him. The right side didn't repudiate him. But had a white man said it, it would have been all over the news. It would have been everywhere. And then you had uh, Black Lives Matter saying, what do we want? Dead cops. When do we want it now? Peace in the blanket. Fry them like bacon. That's evil. And instead of repudiating Obama and Black Lives Matter, Barack Obama invited them to the White House to handsome the organization more than once. So how come it's okay to point out evil on the right side, but not on the left? And that's what Barack, uh, that's what the president, uh, Trump, the point he was making. Why is it that it's always with the white folks, but never with the blacks who are doing the same thing? What, what, what do you have to say? There are a lot of people on the right who they st they used to call themselves never Trump. And then once Trump got elected, they said, well, OK, we're not never Trump, but we really still oppose this guy. He's bad for the party. He's bad for uh, conservatism because he's such a he's such a blundering guy. You know, he's such a bull in a china shop. Do you think that they're being played in some ways, the, the right wingers who still oppose Trump? Yes, sir. They are being played. They are so they are weak. They're cowards. They don't. <laughs> OK, yeah, don't, don't don't beat around the bush, Jesse. I, you know. <laughs> President Trump is a man who is finally telling the truth. We have a man in office who, for the first time in my life time, or, or at least of voting, is keeping his word. He promised to do those things. And in spite of the opposition that is coming after him, he's still he's bringing jobs back. People are now working and making more money. The the uh, uh, he uh, the uh, radical Islamic terrorists on the run. He's cut back on restriction and regulation. We have a conservative judge uh, on the bench now in the U.S. Supreme Court. He is he's doing what he said he was going to do. But what it is, 
America is accustomed to a weak father. You know, I remember uh, a long time ago with my stepfather, my mother married my stepfather before I was born because it was an embarrassment to have children out of wedlock. And so and my stepfather was a decent man. But one time my sister and I had a fight. We were little kids, but we had a fight, my older sister, which was his daughter. And she hit me and I hit her back. Mm. And instead of my stepfather punishing both of us, he only punished me. And as a kid, I knew that was wrong. Mm. And so and so I went and told my mother and she took his side because she was too weak to stand up and tell the truth. And that's what we have today. America is not accustomed to seeing a strong, white, conservative Christian man with, with power stand up and deal with evil in the way that they are dealing with it because America is so weak now. They can't handle the truth. And that's what's ha- happening with President Trump right now. Jesse Lee Peterson, I always love talking to you. You're a breath of fresh air every time. It's always great to see you. I hope you'll come back and we'll talk about it uh, more again. Anytime. I, I, if I, may I give out my website? Yes, please do. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Tell people where to find you. I want them to go to rebuildingtheman.com, rebuildingtheman.com. And for those who don't use the website, we have older people who don't use it. They can call us at 800-411-2663, 411-BOND. And our battle is not about color. It's not about the physical. It's spiritual. It's about right or wrong, good versus evil. Absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot, Jesse. I'll see you soon. Thank you. Uh, Yes, sir. Bye-bye. That guy, guy just he will say what he's going to say. And, and, you know, people have pointed guns in his face and he does it anyway. (laughs) Anyway, he's heard they threw him out of his gym. You know, people don't like to talk about life insurance because for the obvious reason that when you talk about life insurance, you got to talk about the fact that you might not be here. Now, in my case, that's not a problem because I am, of course, immortal. But some of you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's the leftist tears you get from subscribing to the site. Uh, you know, policygenius.com is the place to go to get life insurance that costs a lot less than you think it does because a lot of people just think, you know, something like, it's like 35 million families in America don't have life insurance, which means if the main earner, something should happen to the main earner, people are really stuck. You know, they're suddenly cut off without funds. They don't get the payout from the insurance. And people think that life insurance costs a lot more than it does. But if you go to policygenius.com, Dot com. You can learn about life insurance. You can compare quotes from America's top providers, and you can save up to 40% on your policy, which sounds I mean, that is just a lot of money to save. P- P- Policy Genius has placed over $5 billion in life insurance. It's a simple, user-friendly, well, user-friendly website that helps you work out exactly which policy is right for you and finds you the best price. It takes about five minutes to apply for a quote. Most Americans think this is going to cost a lot more than it does. You can save up to 40%, just a lot of stuff. And also, they don't like push a policy down your throat. They just let you compare the prices. If you've been putting off life insurance or want to make sure the insurance you have is right for you, check out policygenius.com today and you can save up to 40% just by comparing policies. The quotes are free. There's no sales pressure, zero hassle. Policygenius.com. It's life insurance for the 21st century. You know, I want to play just a couple of quotes that came out about the uh, reactions to the Trump uh, presser because, you know, 
the, the power that the press has is to create this atmosphere of hysteria where all, the GOP runs for its life and all the people, you know, are, are scared and all this stuff. And it, it creates this emotional, uh, you know, this emotional atmosphere, especially in the Beltway. Obviously, it doesn't in Washington and in L.A., people being thrown out of their gyms and things like that, but it, especially in the Beltway. And that's where it really has an effect because people are afraid to come out and say what they mean and they're afraid to talk because they know they're going to be completely pilloried uh, as, as Trump is being pilloried now. So here, here are a couple of react. Here's the thing about Donald Trump. I don't believe Donald Trump is a racist at all. You know what I believe? They asked Trump about race. They asked Trump about have things gotten better? They never asked this to Barack Obama because things got much worse. The racial divide got much worse. But no, is that Obama's fault? Absolutely not. But if it's getting bad now, it's all Trump's fault. So Trump had this re response, which was really interesting, really fascinating. If you listen to it, this is no cut number five. They've been afraid for a long time. And you can ask President Obama about that because he'd make speeches about it. But I believe that the fact that I brought in, it will be soon, millions of jobs. You see where companies are moving back into our country. I think that's going to have a tremendous positive impact on race relations. We have companies coming back into our country. We have two car companies that just announced. We have Foxconn in Wisconsin just announced. We have many companies I say pouring back into the country. I think that's going to have a huge positive impact on race relations. You know why? It's jobs. What people want now, they want jobs. They want great jobs with good pay. And when they have that, you watch how race relations will be. And I'll tell you, we're spending a lot of money on the inner cities. We're going to fix, we're fixing the inner cities. We're doing far more than anybody's done with respect to the inner cities. It's a priority for me. And it's very important. That, that's a classic Donald Trump response. I've said this again and again. Trump's daydream for himself is that you will love him because he fixes stuff. That's what he, that's how he sees himself. And he doesn't see, you know, it's funny. Some of Trump's strengths are also his weaknesses. Remember when the Marines hat blew off and Trump chased it down. And I said, that's actually a kind of a nice thing about Donald Trump is he doesn't really picture himself as being like, oh, the president above anybody else. If the Marines hat blows off, he'll go and fetch the Marines hat. But at the same time, <laughs> the bad side of that is he doesn't see himself as a moral leader. He doesn't understand that sometimes these things need to be addressed in a spiritual way. He thinks, oh, well, everybody will have a good job and then they'll stop, you know, worrying about the racism thing. And there's a lot of truth to that. But at the same time, there are these moments when something like Charlottesville happens that you need to address in a moral way. You know how you, you know how one way you know that he's not a racist? Here is one of the Nazis who was down in Charlottesville talking about him and saying, I'm a violent guy, I'm a racist guy, and I have one problem with Donald Trump. Here he is. I'm carrying a pistol. I go to the gym all the time. I'm trying to make myself more capable of violence. I'm, I'm here to spread ideas, talk, in the hopes that somebody more capable uh, will, will come along and do that. Somebody like Donald Trump who does not give his daughter to a Jew. So Donald Trump, but like more racist. Yeah, a lot more racist than Donald Trump. <laughs> He's just guys not racist, gives his daughter to a Jew. What's, <laughs> and by the way, that's the face of these guys. You know, they're not making subtle points. They're racist. And like, so, so he doesn't like Trump because he's racist. All right. But yesterday, Gianno Caldwell, who is a Republican 
a black Republican guy went on Fox and Friends to talk about the statue issue and should they tear down this statue and that statue. And it was this very emotional moment. And I want to play it because the guy, is a, he's one of us. He's a Republican conservative guy. And this is the way he felt after that press conference. They're good, they're good people on both sides of this debate. We talk about keeping these statues up. People that I've talked to say this is about history. How do we move forward? How do we learn from those mistakes if we just tear everything down? You know, I, I come today with a very heavy heart. Last night I couldn't sleep at all because President Trump, our president, has literally betrayed the conscience of our country. The very moral fabric in which we've made progress when it comes to race relations in America, he's failed us. And it's very unfortunate that our president would say things like he did in that press conference yesterday when he says, well, there's, you know, good people on the side of, of the Nazis. They weren't all Nazis. They weren't all white supremacists. Well, Mr. President, people, good people don't pile around with Nazis and white supremacists. Maybe they don't consider themselves white supremacists and Nazis, but certainly they hold those views. This has become very troubling. And for anyone to come on any network and defend what President Trump did and said at that press conference yesterday is completely lost and the potential to be morally bankrupt. And, and he starts crying. We, we got to care about that guy. You know, I mean, we really do. He's like I said, he's one of us. And if he feels that way now, maybe, you know, you can you can parse what Trump said. And did he mean this? And did he say that? But, you know, part of being the president is leading and part of leading is appearing and seeming to be what people need you to be in these moments of division. And I mean, nobody wants to see these Nazis go down to Charlottesville and not be rebuked. And they've got to be rebuked and they've got to be rebuked again. And, and it's oh, and it's great to talk about the violence of Antifa, the the press has been wicked. They have been evil. As I say, there's the commie scum and there's the Nazi scum and then there's the media scum. And the media has been evil in covering up the violence of this. Chuck Todd, uh, I think it was, had some anti-fa guy on. Just let him just completely romanticize and cover up the violence of this movement. But here are some people. And Props to CBS News because they had these people on. I'm sure they didn't get the answers they were expecting. CBS News had these people on. And here are the people who say what I think is true about Donald Trump, that they're not looking to him for moral guidance. They're looking to him to fix stuff. And that is what Trump is selling. This is cut number 10, a really fascinating interview with Trump supporters. How do you explain what your support is for a president, given the criticism that he's had on this race issue? I think for myself, period. Nobody's going to tell me what to think or how to think. I'm not gullible and I'm not blind. It's my decision if I'm going to support someone or not, not go by what other people has to say. And to me, what I've seen and what I, I love, I'm not, he's not going to lose my support anytime soon. I've been a Republican before Donald Trump. I will be a Republican afterwards. I honestly don't think we will see this issue of racial divide addressed until we remove identity politics out of the political process. That's, I, I love this country. I love these people. You know, these people like this to see so clearly, and they just uh, they just are basically dealing with Trump as Trump. They're not looking to him for moral guidance. They're looking to him to fix stuff. We'll see if he can. Some of the stuff he's done so far has been really good. Some of the stuff in the, the way he's dealt with the legislature, not as good. But uh, but I really do. I think, as I've said all week, I think he bobbled the ball. I think we on the right have to have a care about these people. These guys, like I said, are trying to be in our house. They're trying to steal our name. They're trying to steal 
steal our designation and the press is helping them because the press is wicked and corrupt, you know, but we have to also stand up. We have to do the right thing. What Jesse, the thing that Jesse Lee says, I, I don't always agree with Jesse Lee. He's to the right of me socially. Uh, but uh, but I think that um, the thing that he says where these are spiritual issues. You know, when I when I was baptized, I didn't believe uh, it was now 13 years ago. Um, long time. Um, when I was baptized, I didn't believe in the devil. You know, the resurrection was just about as much supernatural stuff as I could handle. I'm a very basic uh, down-to-earth person. Uh, but over time, I started to say, and I've even put this in one of my books, I think it's in Werewolf Cop, where the guy says, uh, there may not be a devil, but the world is exactly as if there were a devil. <laughs> I think that that's what started to convince me that, in fact, uh, there is a conscious force that fights against the good and fights against the evil. And the, and the way you kind of know that is because Evil doesn't care about our philosophy. It doesn't care how it'll dress up like us. It'll dress up and look like us, you know, and you say, well, that guy's kind of like me. And he says some of the things that I like, and maybe I can follow him down this, you know, rabbit hole into hell, you know, and like it, 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 the, the devil don't care that he don't do not care. You know, it's like, it's just that thing. He's always above our philosophies in the same way God is, you know, the devil's like the mirror image of, of the good that he, he's above our philosophies and we think we cling to things that are good, but you can believe in Jesus and do evil. You can believe in liberty and do evil. You can believe in equality and do evil. It doesn't care. And we have to pick out the guys and it doesn't matter. You can say, oh, these Nazis are not on the right, <laughs> but they say they're on the right. So we have to make it very clear that we're not with them. And even if they appeal to something in your heart, turn it off and walk away because they are the bad, bad news. Stuff I like. All right, we have now brought stuff I like to the end of uh, you know the end of the week because I want I wanted to just hone in on stuff I really really like. First, I have to say something I liked last night. A bunch of the guys and girls from the Daily Wire went to Walt Disney Concert Hall here in L.A., which is to me this fantastic. People love it. It's it's got very hyper modern building. It is a fa I find it fantastically ugly, but it has the best, best acoustics I've ever heard. It's like being in your car. You know, when you're in your car and you turn the stereo up, that's what it's like. The Santa Monica Philharmonic was there and Dennis Prager, who conducts as a sort of passion, a, a hobby, he conducts orchestras as a, a hobby, was conducting uh, a symphony by Haydn and it was just great. It was really wonderful. Um, Dennis was, I saw Dennis the night before at the Dodgers game and he was nervous, you know, he was actually nervous and Dennis is not a guy who gets, gets rattled easily, but he was nervous and you could just see the joy on his face as he got to the end of the symphony, he realized he had done it and it was going to work and the music was wonderful and because a lot of the people were there for Dennis and they, they weren't people who usually go to symphonies, they played famous pieces which you don't get to hear very much in symphonies because the, the aficionados don't want to hear the same pieces again and again, so it's very rare that you get to go and hear Beethoven's fifth, you know, bum, 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 bum. you know, you don't get to hear that that often to, and to hear it played. It's such a beautiful piece that the normal guy who I'm sorry, I don't know his, I don't remember his name. The guy from the conductor of the uh, Santa, Mar Santa Monica Philharmonic conducted that piece of just beautiful. And it just takes you, you know, it takes you so far above politics and out of politics and into yourself and into the life of the mind that is really a wonderful thing, which is why I so uh, recommend that people take time uh, to go back to the great culture. And I want to end with uh, with stuff I like. One of the one of maybe is he the greatest American poet? He's certainly among the handful. If you had to name, you could not name five great American poets is Walt Whitman. And Walt Whitman is kind of our national poet. And he was part of, 
he was on the cusp of a movement called transcendentalism, which I've always been very fascinated by because it was kind of the American version of British romanticism, uh, more religious, more independent, more based on the individual. Uh, it was a lot of uh, like breaking away from the past and tradition that, that a person could find within himself he could find within himself the right path and the right guide, a very American, self-reliant, you know, it based uh, very big uh, on the idea of self-reliance, which I think was an Emerson phrase. But Walt Whitman wrote this book, Leaves of Grass, which at the time was viciously attacked as being pornographic. And there's a lot of talk about Whitman's sexuality. Most people think he was gay. He claimed he wasn't. He claimed that he had fathered six illegitimate children. But uh, most people feel that he was probably a gay guy. But I, I don't know. Uh, but the book itself, it's not poetry like you've ever heard before. Uh, it's it's kind of the first modern poetry. But it's, it's just, it's got a different voice. It's something you haven't heard. And I picked one very short piece because it kind of spoke to me in the, in the, in the moment, in the moment when I sort of felt this week, this week kind of weighed on me, you know, I, I really dislike these Nazi guys and I dislike the press line about them and I dislike them ginning up the hatred between the people and these guys pulling down the statues. They're the worst people in our country, the Antifa people and the Nazis and the press. They are the worst people in this country. They represent a very, very small number of people. When you saw those people, both the guy who was upset at Trump and the three ladies who were supporting Trump, you know, you see those people and you realize, you know, Americans are, most Americans are such decent people. I've traveled everywhere in this country and they really are uh, wonderful people. And these little, little groups of, of, of uh, Dirtbags, to use the technical term. I don't. I don't like to use scientific terms. But these dirtbags to set us against each other is just really. Uh, it was weighing on me. And and um, Walt Whitman wrote this poem called "Oh Me, Oh Life." And "Oh Me," of course, an old-fashioned way of saying "Oh, you know, I'm sad." Basically, I'm sad. "Oh Me, Oh Life." Life is weighing on him too heavily, and he writes, "Oh Me, Oh Life." of the questions of these recurring, these questions, these deep questions that we have that keep coming back to us, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, of myself forever reproaching myself for who is more foolish than I and who is more faithless, of eyes that vainly crave the light, of the objects mean, of the struggle ever renewed, of the poor results of all, of the plodding and sordid crowds I see around me, of the empty and useless years of the rest, with the rest me intertwined. The question, O oh me, O oh sad, recurring, the question is, what good amid these, O oh me, O oh life? And then he answers the question, he just has the word answer. The question is, the answer, to what good is all this is that you are here, that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. And you may, and you may, and we all may, if we follow what's right and what's good. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. The Clavenless Weekend begins. Survivors will gather here on Monday and will go out to the brilliant, always brilliant music of Louis Armstrong and Bing Crosby.
down the Mississippi. Yes, we'll take a boat to the land of dreams. Steam down that river down to New Orleans. Yes, Basin Street gets you there. Yes, and all our old friends are gonna greet us. And there's old friends to greet us. Yeah. That's where the South and the South first grabbed that beat. Oh, this heaven on earth, they call it Basin Street. Yes, Basin Street. Basin Street. Oh, yeah. That's the street. Oh, yeah. Where the elites oh, always be. Singing. 